0: the truth news network a lone voice cries out in the night for an end to the lies for an end to the deceptions for an end to the corruption for an end to the cancel culture that destroys wantonly all that oppose it where do you find that voice (laughs) right here his name is dan newman I got my hand in the air. It's me. Please call on me, Dan Newman. Hey, y'all. Yeah, I said the word y'all. I'm a southerner. I'm authorized to call a bunch of people y'all. Welcome to TNN Live. I'm so glad you chose to end your week here with us. And we are an information, I don't know what you call us, but we have so much information we're going to share with you today. Not just about the issues going on down in Palm Beach, Florida, where the FBI raided the Mar-a-Lago residence slash office of former President Donald Trump, something that has never happened in American history to any other president. We've got a lot to get into. Before we start, we're going to unpeel the onion layer by layer for you today, and we're bringing in some experts that will help us do that. First of all, let's clear the air. Thank you so much for being here today. We love having you with us on this journey in which we embarked. We actually went out in just cold hard faith a couple of years ago. And um, it seems that there are a lot of Americans that are glad we did. And uh, also, by the way, a lot of people that live in foreign countries that are glad that we did. We have the ability to see every computer IP address and the geographical location at least the city and the country where everybody is listening when they're listening to TNN Live we have a big pocket of supporters in New Zealand, Australia Malaysia and of course scattered across all of Europe the UK, even South America and in the Caribbean I don't know who these people are I don't know who many of you are, most of you are, but what I do know about you is you're a patriot, you adhere to the rule of law, and you want the government of the United States, whether you're a citizen of one of these countries, these foreign countries, or an American. This is the model for the world of how good government works. Well, at least it has been for 250 plus years. I wouldn't say right now it's working like most people expected and want it to work. And we're going to get into a little bit of that. Before we go down to Mar-a-Lago, let me, let me just give you a couple of things that happened very quickly in the wake of all this. Newsweek magazine, that's one of the magazines, the news magazines that have been around for decades and decades. Formally, a place of staple where you could go and get a bunch of facts I'm going to read to you verbatim the story that Newsweek ran with yesterday before all of the real news came out about what happened in Mar-a-Lago. And let me just let you make your decision based upon what you hear. So this is from Newsweek. It was published uh, two days ago at 10.30 in the morning Eastern Time. The raid on Mar-a-Lago, the story said, was based largely on information from an FBI confidential human source, one who was able to identify what classified documents former President Trump was still hiding, and even the location of those documents. That's according to two senior government officials. There we go. No names. No verification. Two senior government officials. More about that in a minute. Let's go back to the story. The officials, who have direct knowledge of the FBI's deliberations and were granted anonymity in order to discuss sensitive matters, said the raid of Donald Trump's Florida residence was deliberately timed to occur when the former president was away. FBI decision-makers in Washington and Miami thought that denying the former president a photo opportunity or a platform from which to grandstand or to attempt to thwart the raid would lower the profile of the event. That's according to one of the sources, a senior Justice Department official who is a 30-year veteran of the FBI. Let's pause for a minute. What does that mean? If that's true, if this came from a senior Justice Department official who is a 30-year veteran of the FBI, that means this person works on the fifth floor the fifth floor of the Department of Justice building in Washington, DC. That's the top floor and that person would really be plugged in to the Attorney General and also FBI Director Christopher Wray. That just throws up a question mark to me. Let's go on. The story says the effort to keep the raid low-key failed. You think? <laughs> Instead, It prompted a furious response from GOP leaders and Trump supporters. What a spectacular backfire, says the justice official. It's interesting. They're going to quote somebody, a 30-year veteran of the FBI, that turned against the former president of the United States, and they're going to quote this expert, this justice official, in an article, but they're not going to tell us who it is. Supposedly, this official continued and said this, I know that there is much speculation out there that this is political persecution, but it is really the best and the worst of the bureaucracy in action. They wanted to punctuate the fact that this was a routine law enforcement action, stripped of any political overtones. And yet, they got exactly the opposite. Both senior government officials say the raid was scheduled with no political motive. (laughs) The FBI solely intent on recovering highly classified documents that were illegally removed from the White House. Preparations to conduct such an operation began weeks ago, but in planning the date and time, the FBI Miami Field Office and Washington headquarters were focused on the former president's scheduled return to Florida from his residencies in New York and New Jersey. They were seeking to avoid any media circus. That's according to the second unnamed source, who is, purportedly, a senior intelligence official who was briefed on the investigation and the operation. So even though everything made sense bureaucratically, he or she said, and the FBI feared that the documents might be destroyed, they also created the very firestorm they sought to avoid in ignoring the fallout. And then it goes into actually what happened on Monday, Monday morning early about the FBI agent showing up at mar lago And here's the final paragraph. The act establishes that presidential records are the property of the U.S. government and not a president's private property, put in place after Watergate to avoid the abuses of the Nixon administration, the law imposes strict penalties for failure to comply. Whoever having the custody of any such record, proceeding, map, book, document, paper, or other thing, willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, falsifies, or destroys the same, shall be fined. $2,000 up to three years in prison, or shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. There are some very important things in this we're going to unpack. First of all, let me tell you this the fundamental substance of this article published two days ago by Newsweek was immediately refuted. It's full of holes and it's full of lies. But I wanted to illustrate to you what happens with this weaponized media. This Newsweek story, whoever wrote it and presented all these things and these two people as facts, factual. These are experts. These are people that are plugged in. They knew when they wrote it, it would be debunked but the debunking process of mainstream media in the U S today is very seldom in total. And that is purposeful. They know there'll be 20, 30 million people that see or read the original story. And if, and when they come back later and they have to say, Hey, and that story we published on the 10th, we had three or four little issues in it and we want to correct it. This is, came on the front page of Newsweek, their website, two days ago. Front page. Anybody and everybody that subscribes to Newsweek or has them bookmarked on their computer or phone, they saw it. They got the little ding, ding, ding announcement, and they clicked on it and went right to the story, read it, and believed every sentence of it. But the retraction or the um, expansion whatever they want to call it, of their story, guess where it will show up? Probably somewhere on the website after page 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and nobody will know about it unless you just spend a bunch of time on the website. That's the way mainstream media works. That's the way it works. Now, let's start here. I'm going to tell you something that probably will blow your mind. This act, this protection, this act that was put in place after the Nixon administration, what this group is for is to any time and every time an administration is completed and the guy or the woman in the White House they're going to move out, obviously there are a lot of documents that have been perused, have been saved, have been stored In the White House, much of that is obviously the private or personal property of the executive, the chief executive and his family members. They don't just stop living lives. You don't if you, when you move into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So at the surface of the authorization of the 1978 Presidential Records Act, which, by the way, please know this. It's not been tested constitutionally, but it could very well happen. You'll understand why in just a moment. Um, This 1978 Presidential Records Act in itself does not contain anything to do, has no authorization to ever try to hold anybody that would break any of the tenets of this act there's no criminal liability attached to it no criminal liability attached to it if anybody is ever found guilty of violating any of the terms of this they can only be held responsible for a civil award for their wrongdoing if it ever goes that far. It never has. And I'll tell you why it could have and should have in just a minute. There's no criminal liability for Donald Trump, even if it's found that he did something wrong. They did something wrong. And, of course, the big leak yesterday, oh, my gosh. He was hiding nuclear documents, the highest classification nuclear documents that that contain secret, top-secret information. (laughs) Of course, President Trump, as he always has so succinctly done, well, not always, he finally figured out that his knee-jerk reaction, screaming and hollering at the top of anything that happens bad, It's not nearly as effective as the way he has responded to this. He made it very clear. Everything the media have published about what was being held there and the purposes and the process are all untrue. Now, let me ask you this. You've got two big name people in the department of justice involved in this. Who are they? Two top people. Christopher Wray, Director of the FBI, and Merrick Garland, the Attorney General. And Merrick Garland, in his little three-minute speech yesterday, not Monday, not Tuesday, not Wednesday, but not until Thursday did he come out after all the furor across the nation and the world. I mean, we played on our show here from Australia, a news report, what Australian people are saying about this thing. Four days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. On the fourth day, he made a three minute statement, did not take any questions. And basically, what he did, and I'm not going to play the whole thing, I've got one segment you're going to hear in just a minute. Basically, what he did was pontificate, defend himself, a weak defense of people that work at the FBI. And basically setting up a case that Donald Trump is a criminal and Donald Trump lied. Have we ever heard that before? Have anybody, has anybody in the Department of Justice or the FBI ever said that before? They would like for you and I to forget about how wicked, evil, and illegal many people in the FBI and the Department of Justice. Perpetrated over the four years of the Trump administration, months and months before he took the oath of office, and are maintaining that now. And none of them, not one, has been held accountable. What are you talking about the Justice Department doing? What about the Russia collusion story? What about FBI, even the director of the FBI, falsifying documents presented to a Pfizer court to justify? Opening the very thing that took thirty-five million three and three and a half years, to resolve. What am I talking about? The Mueller investigation. It was all based on a fraud by the FBI. A fraud. And the fraud included doing all kinds of egregious things to a bunch of people in the Trump campaign but not just that, to the president and his family members. That has never happened by any FBI or any Department of Justice until the Russia collusion story. They were complicit, the FBI was, in the Hillary Clinton involvement to produce a entirely false narrative create a document. You'll never forget the name, the Steele dossier. Hillary Clinton paid for that dossier to be put together knowing it was going to be a false document, and they didn't care. Why? Because Democrats are never held accountable by the Department of Justice for their wrongdoing, also criminal wrongdoing. In the case of uh, former FBI Director James Comey, who violated classified document dissemination several times, and he bragged about it. James Clapper, former head of the Department of National Intelligence, that's a combination of all of our intelligence agencies, he lied under oath several times before Congress, as did John Brennan, former CIA director, lied through his teeth lied in testimony before Congress that had nothing to do with Donald Trump. And then of course, when the Trump thing came around here, he goes back and he lies. None of them held accountable. No Democrat held accountable period. On the other side of the, the aisle, who do we have? Donald Trump, Republican, Donald Trump, the fact that Donald Trump is a Republican is the sole reason. He has been attacked since he came down the escalator with that gorgeous wife of his to say, I'm going to run for president in the 2016 election. It started then. It may have started before then. We don't know. But what do we know today? What do we know today? Let me tell you what we know today. Monday. Don't forget that day. Monday is when this all started, but this is not when it started. The previous week, it was revealed in a congressional hearing that FBI whistleblowers had evidence and came forward with the evidence that the FBI aggressively attempted and did a pretty darn good job of hiding the evidence in the Hunter Biden case and tried to stop the investigation from happening. That comes out in a congressional hearing, in a senate hearing. Do you do you see any connection there? What is the number one rule when you're an evil person that does a lot of things? What are you what are you taught in the very beginning of whoever you trust to teach you? how to be a criminal. When there are allegations against you, do something else to deflect any or all of the attention that you may be pinned with about one thing. Create another one that's even bigger. Lie after lie after lie throughout the Obama term, the Hillary Clinton campaign, and even the first 2 3 even all 4 years of the Donald Trump presidency he's been accused of anything and everything you can imagine listen in that steel dossier and this is gross i hope i hope you've already had breakfast they accused Donald Trump this is how stupid they were to f- create this steel dossier And I'm sure there were some drinking and laughing as it was being written. But they had Donald Trump in a hotel room, a suite, where Barack Obama and Michelle Obama had stayed when they were in Moscow. Donald Trump is in that room with nude prostitutes standing on the bed and urinating around the bed just because he wanted to rub something in the face of Barack Obama. That made national, international news. And gotta be honest with you, millions of people believed it. Why? Because it came out of the FBI. That's the sole reason. So why are you concentrating on all of this? Remember, Merrick Garland did not come out. He didn't come out Monday. He didn't come out Tuesday. He didn't come out Wednesday. There was uproar about this. People were questioning, wondering. He could have said it straight. An hour after that investigation, that raid in Mar-a-Lago started. He could have. He didn't do it. Why didn't he do it? Besides being feckless, besides being a shill for the hard left, I thought he was Attorney General. I would think that position and who possesses it would be a real source of everything, where all of the egregious actions are initiated. Merrick Garland is a pawn and I yet don't know who he is upon for, but he's not doing anything. There's a marionette somewhere above him, got strings tied to him, and he speaks when they bring him in to speak. One little section of his three-minute speech caught my attention, and I want I wanted to point this out to you. Here's the attorney
1: general. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear, or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. All Americans are entitled to the even-handed application of the law, to due process of the law, and to the presumption of innocence. Did you get all that? Just in case you didn't. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle,
0: he said, of the Department of Justice, the FBI, and everything they do. The rule of law. That's what we do. And later on, he got into the thing how dare, and I'm paraphrasing, but how dare anybody think the FBI or the Department of Justice is partial, is politicized at all? We need to understand. We all need to understand what?
1: Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy.
0: So if it is, let me ask you this, Mr. Attorney General. Bedrock bedrock truth, principle, the rule of law. James Comey, when he was FBI director, he violation of several federal codes, criminal codes disseminated classified uh, documentation to a friend of his and the friend illegally leaked that documentation to the news media. That's why Comey put it out there in that daisy chain. James Comey created a felony responsibility for himself. Every time he disseminated those notes, private meetings, the friend of James Comey violated federal criminal statutes punishable by jail. Both of them. When he disseminated it to the media, nothing done there. Executives in the FBI signed off on falsified documents to the FISA court three times on the surveillance FISA application and the warrant that was issued to spy on the Trump campaign. Nobody was held accountable for that. I could keep going on and on and on, not to mention Hillary Clinton, violated all kinds of federal laws and dozens and dozens of times, hundreds of times, thousands of times. Every email that was written, sent, or received from that server that was in a private residence in Chappaquin, New York, Long Island, every one of those was a violation of federal statute, a felony violation of federal statute. And then when it's all over and she got a subpoena for the hard drive on that server by the FBI she found out what BleachBit is it's a software program they scrubbed they being her I don't know which one campaign confidant, family, I don't know who did it but they scrubbed that server of 33,000 emails, each one of them was classified. Included among those were email back and forth with then President Barack Obama who was sending and receiving emails to and from Hillary Clinton on that server. He knew the server was unclassified and was not registered and anything that went to it or came out of it was classified top-secret stuff. Everything any president says rights and sins, is the highest classification. Nothing was done to either one of them. Not a single thing. What's happening every single day at our southern border? What's happening there? Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of foreigners are coming into our nation illegally. Some of them are caught and stopped. But according to federal law, there's a process with which anybody that breaks a barrier without an official invitation from our government to do so, each time, each one, is violating a federal statute. And there are legal, written laws that contain what's supposed to happen to every single person that steps across our southern border illegally. Now, call me stupid, but I thought that responsibility fell on the FBI and the Department of Justice, the sole branch of our government that is responsible for the enforcement of laws that are already in our Constitution. But in addition to that, the additional laws that through constitutional processes, making laws, the U.S. Congress, they make laws that are signed into laws by presidents. And there are dozens and dozens of laws that make every violation of our southern border a criminal act. The Department of Justice. Homeland Security is part of the Department of Justice. Oh, by the way, Merrick Garland is the Attorney General and is over the Department of Homeland Security. Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary. Has anybody in the Department of Homeland Security been held accountable for breaking these laws and suborning those illegals coming in? Has anybody held Alejandro Mayorkas Responsible for suborning the breaking of these laws, making it easier, actually standing, not literally, but figuratively, at the southern border and waving these people in. For months and months and months, the Biden administration has been secretly moving and hiding these illegals and even funding them. And they're funding them surreptitiously in a bogus fashion. They're not writing checks to these immigrants. They're signing contracts with NGOs, the Biden administration, the Department of Justice are signing contracts with these people, funding them with billions of dollars to do what? To take care of these illegal, felony convicting immigrants, to pay for them to live, to eat, to survive and all that money comes from these non-government organizations not for profits no less how are those funded with grants from the federal government the federal government grants those are you and me american taxpayers all of that every single act if it's 2 million if it's 500,000 or if it's 1 Anybody that stepped across the southern border is in violation of federal law and the Department of Justice is charged with the sole power and the sole responsibility to take care of those people and hold them accountable. Merrick Garland preached a sermon for three minutes yesterday telling Donald Trump and every conservative American that wants the rule of law to be enforced. He told us exactly what everybody in the Department of Justice, including the FBI, from top to bottom, their number one thing they hold
1: fast to. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. Horse
0: hockey, every single word, came from a man who wanted to be sitting today on the United States Supreme Court, was nominated to serve at the very end of the Obama administration, and the Senate at that time did not take up consideration of his nomination. I really think him getting this job as attorney general was a payback from Obama through Joe Biden because he got left, he got left out because of Republicans. Every word he just said, you've heard it three or four times, i played it three or four times. In case you missed it, I'll just play that first part about the rule of law. I want this to be emblazoned in your, in your mind.
1: Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department, and of our democracy. You don't
0: need me to give you example after example through the years, the last five and a half, six years, of that being a lie about the Department of Justice and the FBI. And folks, it will never change if those people that are not enforcing the law aren't held accountable. It will never change. Nothing changes, if nothing changes. Nothing changes, if nothing changes.
2: When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal this game is not a game gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners
3: i pass through the trees i leave behind the mountains i weave in the air I fly over the birds, and I wish, when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with Ivy Tech engine, leave behind a better world.
2: Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black-flavored lattes and iced coffee. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care.
0: While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are? TNN. The Truth News Network. Facts matter. Facts matter. You gotta remember that. Especially if you're dealing with your kids, your children. There's some so much lying in their worlds they're getting inundated with. In school, not even going to school, on their PDAs. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Lives are everywhere, and they're couched by people who are professionals and making them look so attractive to our children. Moms, dads, speak life into your babies every day. Find ways to speak into their lives. Don't talk at them. Talk with them. I know it's hard. They think we're all stupid. Some of us are stupid. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. But our responsibility, our number one responsibility is to prepare them for what they're going to face when they no longer come home every night and sleep in a bed in your house with you. Just pointing that out to make sure you understand it. we're in the back to school mode and we're finding out every day. I listened to a story early this morning about 5 o'clock And it came out of a national news agency and they were reading some of the um, woke policies that have been implemented in some of our top public universities around the nation. And some of them, I don't have the details. I didn't access it, but I'll give you a, a little tidbit of what struck me. One of the policies of one of the major public universities in the nation, it defined racism that will not be allowed on their campus. And they use the term, in the definition of racism, they use the term white people. In other words, pointing to racism can only come from white people, right? That's just one example. That's what our children are facing. And we need to be cognizant of that. I know it can be a an uh, overwhelming task to make all the right decisions to do the right things say the right things to our kids I mean to anybody in our life but that's what being an adult that's what being an American adult that's what being an American citizen adult is all about we have that responsibility and it's job one don't don't leave your babies out of your daily obligations, speak into their lives every day. Before we get cranking up on where I want to go, we told you, we are, uh, this, this, this podcast, it becomes a podcast after it leaves um, the show at 11 o'clock every day, and it was picked up in the very beginning by Spotify, by Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and several others, and I don't I don't find out, I don't know about any of this happening unless one of you sends me a text or an email and says, hey, TNN Lives, it's on here. I never know it because it's distributed by a national podcast distribution company. And what they do is they'll send samples out to these hosting sites and if they choose to accept them, they'll just accept them and automatically get the feed the same time these others I told you are getting their feed the new ones amazon music samsung podcast a podcast source named listen notes that i've never heard of and then there's a podcast index which is a place that holds a index of all the national or the leading national podcast and they picked up on that to add to as I told you, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, iHeart Tune TuneIn Podcast, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and even Facebook. So anytime you are somewhere in your car, you didn't get a chance to listen to a show, you've, you've got easy access. Plus every show, every single show, after the show's over, we post that day's TNN Live show at the bottom of the story that was published that day. Speaking of that, You need to read today's story. Um, I wrote it, and I'm not asking you to read it because I wrote it. I'm asking you to read it because it's important. It's full of some things that you need to know about, about the FBI. Maybe I'll whet your appetite a little bit there. It's a big deal. There's a lot to it, so make sure you check it out. So everybody was waiting yesterday for the former president to go postal on Merrick Garland and the FBI. Donald Trump's been kind of calm through this. He's speaking through those who work for him and he's not grabbing a microphone or TV camera and going nuts like he, like he did one or two times previously. Right? So after the judge And it wasn't a judge, it was a magistrate, which I I don't quite understand that. Maybe we'll get the gist of that today when that information comes out. But after he, this person, gave the Justice Department a deadline to determine whether former President Trump supports or opposes the unsealing and release of the search warrant and the property receipt that was used by the FBI, the former president said he heartily supports the move. And all the mainstream media, the talking heads, they were saying, oh, he's going to try to hide it. He doesn't want the American people to see what he's guilty of, what the FBI was after. This is a quote from Donald Trump. Release the documents now! exclamation And he posted that on Truth Social, his social media platform, at 11.40 p.m. yesterday. In a pair of his posts, Trump called the raid un-American, unwarranted, and unnecessary and said he approved of the immediate release of the warrant. Not only will I not oppose the release of the documents related to the un-American, unwarranted, and unnecessary raid and break-in of my home in Palm Beach, Florida, I'm going to set further by encouraging the immediate release of those documents. Even though they have been drawn up by radical left Democrats and possible future political opponents who have strong and powerful vested interest in attacking me much as they have done for the last six years. Okay, that's the Trumpsters stay on this. Something else it struck me in the middle of the day when Monday we knew it was going on. What struck me was nobody in the Trump office, no employee of Trump, no attorney was allowed to even look in as these FBI 30 or so were going through the Trump on-site office, the residents, even went through Melania's wardrobe, her closet. What the heck they were looking for in there, we'll, we may never know, but nevertheless, normal operations are there's somebody that's somehow related to or involved with like a lawyer with the person they're breaking in and perpetrating this raid on to be able to go along and watch and make sure that they're adhering to the terms of the warrant that the court issued that wasn't allowed. In fact, they wouldn't even let Trump's lawyer, his immediate lawyer there at Mar-a-Lago, even go in to the house while it was going on, had to stand outside in the heat, couldn't even stand inside. And this time of year in South Florida, (laughs) I wouldn't want to stand outside. But last night I heard her in an interview, eight hours, she stood outside while they were doing their thing. So what would that possibly be about, President Trump? He hit on it when in one of his tweets yesterday, not tweets because he can't tweet, one of his posts on True Social, he said, there may be planted documents or information that this FBI, these investigators are doing as they go through there. Why would they not let my attorney observe what they're doing while they're doing it unless they had to hide something? Don't be surprised if you don't hear about that happening at a later date. In fact, Don Jr. said this. He said that a person close to their family suggested the FBI planted listening devices during that raid. Hmm because the FBI allegedly didn't allow anybody to supervise what they were doing, and they specifically requested to turn off security cameras, which, by the way, weren't turned off, which is a good thing. Why did they do this? They didn't want to be caught with what they were doing. How do you know there weren't listening devices planted or evidence planted there? It's something that has to be investigated and checked out, and we want to see the affidavit and what was their probable cause to be able to go in there and break into the president's home. So it's out there. Is there any veracity to it? I have no idea. Yesterday, again, one of the great communicators in the Trump family, I guess the president, former president is the chief communicator, Laura Trump, his daughter-in-law, Eric's wife, yesterday, she actually. When all this began and the details began to come out, she went postal on the Department of Justice.
4: And I'm joined now by Laura Trump, the former president's daughter-in-law, married to Eric Trump, and she's also the former 2020 senior campaign advisor to the Trump campaign and a Fox News contributor. Laura, very good to have you with us. I know these are, uh, I'm sure there's, you know, a lot going on in your heart and mind as you watch all of this unfold, and we're not insensitive to that. So what's your reaction to what Merrick Garland had to say moments ago, Laura?
5: I'm kind of shocked to tell you the truth that it took three days for him to come out and really give us no information. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Americans uh, were looking for something, anything that they could look to from the attorney general that would reassure them that this was not a political attack, uh, that they don't have to be worried, that they were overly aggressive, Uh, you know, breaking into the home and raiding the home of a former president of the United States. I mean, that is a very big deal. Shocking, by the way, that they thought that they were going to do this in a very low-key manner. And then to hear the attorney general try to tell us, well, we should be trusting the FBI. These are great men and women. Look, I have friends that work with the FBI, and they are. Many of these people are great individuals. But the American people have a hard time trusting an agency that fabricated documents or used fabricated documents to get a FISA warrant, as we know, to kick off the Russia Russia collusion hoax. Look at the way that parents have been targeted, of course, at school board meetings. You have a whole host of things, not... uh, Uh, You know, the least of which is the fact that a whistleblower or several at the FBI have recently told us that they're trying to cover up information over there for Hunter Biden. But this is where the FBI chose to focus. And so I think as an American, I I can tell you, I've had so many people reach out to me over the past several days saying, we can't sleep. Our uh, Mm -hmm. stomachs are in knots because this is not something, Martha, that you suppose is going to ever happen in America. And yet here we are. And we're just supposed to accept what the AG came out and said, we got no info.
4: Yeah, I have a couple of, of questions for you. One is this issue of uh, an informant or a mole, someone who reached out to the FBI and indicated that they needed to come back and even according to these reports, directed them to where they would find it. What is the former president saying about that?
5: He has no information on that. I mean, I I think for all of us, we're kind of shocked to hear that. Uh, Well, I mean, sadly, look at his White House. Look at, you know, the the number of people that seem like they were out for sabotage at all times. It always seems like you got to look behind your back, especially when your last name is Trump. Uh, It seems like there's always somebody out to get you. But I don't know in particular um, that, you know, he's focused on this one. Just a general sense of you got to look out for yourself.
4: So let me ask you this, because uh, attorney, the attorney general said that, that, they had, that it was not possible to do it any other way. He said, we like to go in in a way that is as least as unobtrusive uh, as possible. But in this case, it was not possible, suggesting that they had tried other measures to retrieve what they wanted to go get and that they were stonewalled in some way. Were they stonewalled after, during that three-month period, after the initial meeting,
5: which we know was was very cordial, according to all reports. Uh, not, not to my knowledge, no. In fact, uh, the last word spoken on June 3rd when the investigators came in is they, they were told anything you need, let us know by my father-in-law verbatim. Mm-hmm. About a day or so later, they received a call asking them to padlock uh, that office that had the, the information, the files in it that they were interested in. They followed that, uh, you know, to a T. And then the next thing we know, here we are on Monday morning getting a call saying that the FBI mm-hmm. is on the doorstep of Mar-a-Lago. So... Um, Um, To our knowledge, there was nothing more that could have been done. There was nothing that happened in the interim that would have warranted such an aggressive, uh, heavy-handed approach to something like this, specifically and especially when it's the former president.
4: So can you confirm that there was no communication between the FBI and the former president or his lawyers between that June
5: 3rd meeting and the padlock discussion and Monday morning? I, I just spoke to his lawyer moments ago before I came on with you, and that's exactly what I was told, that that was their last communication uh, was many, I guess, a couple of days maybe after June 3rd uh, to confirm that the padlock had been put in place. And other than that, that is all they've heard.
4: And did they have any feeling about who this informant person might
5: be no I mean I think that's news to a lot of people and and I don't even know that that's the case to tell you the truth I I think that's maybe a bit of hearsay I think the FBI maybe kind of alluded to that but to to our knowledge no, there there's no one of concern there's no one that we would even consider um, could would have anything to say because quite frankly we don't even know what they would say and and how would you characterize how the former president is doing is he nervous concerned anxious about this or not I don't think he's specifically anxious about this. I think it's just an overall feeling that, you know, where are we in the United States of America when this sort of thing could happen? You know, your two previous guests, I think, laid it out pretty well. But you look at the fact that, man, look at the Bidens, look at the Clintons. They have a history of criminality, of covering it up, and there is absolutely nothing done to them. Why is it that is only the Trump family and Donald Trump that seems to continue to have these? witch hunts against him him, and and he's constantly attacked i mean we know that from the day he came down the escalator and said he was running for president of the united states um so i think it's just an overall feeling of more of the same and uh, sadly maybe you kind of get used to it at a certain point not that anyone ever should Mm -hmm. um, but it's really concerning that this sort of thing is able to take place in america because it's something that we expect to see in a communist or a third world country
4: Well, you're not alone in that feeling, uh, that's for sure. So um, before I let you go, any impact on his decision-making process and when he may announce that he is likely or is going to run again? What's the impact of all of this on that?
5: Well, I think he, he knows what he's going to do. I, I think, look, for Americans, this just solidifies a lot of enthusiasm behind Donald Trump because I think a lot of people at this point feel like, you know, he's been given such a raw deal so many times. Look at the incredible things he actually did when he was president of the United States with so much scrutiny, with so much incoming, uh, with so so much pressure on him. He got so many great things done. Man, do we need Donald Trump back now more than ever. This country is in a really dire situation. I think they know he's the guy that can get it done. So I think people now more than ever want Donald Trump to run for president in 2024. Uh, This just solidifies a lot of support behind him as far as I'm concerned.
4: Laura, thank you. Laura Trump, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us.
0: That last segment that Laura Trump spoke about what Donald Trump has done, what Donald Trump has did when he was president. I want to point something out. Nobody that has half a brain could argue that Donald Trump did not do more in the way of policies, getting legislation passed, that there's nobody in recent history that did more than Donald Trump did for the people. Very obvious, very specific things that Americans saw in their lives during his four years. Nobody can argue that. But here's the thing that A lot of people are missing instead of looking at how Donald Trump did all those things that were so good the opposition doesn't want to go there they have a lot of power we see that look what happened during his presidency we talked about it you've heard all about it the Mueller investigation impeachment one and two and all those things that was abuse of power that the left had already had and have had for a long time. Now let me tell you the difference between Donald Trump as the business tycoon, and say Joe Biden, the consummate lifer politician in Washington, D.C. Let me tell you the fundamental difference in thinking between that pair of people, and also between other conservatives and other leftists. I'm going to liken it to what we do down in South Louisiana, we crab. And how do you hunt for crabs? How do you fish for crabs? You create a crab trap, which is basically just a wire square or, um, longer than it is high. And it's, it's nothing very spectacular. It's just kind of like wire stretched around a frame. And in the top of it, there's a hole, pretty good size hole. And what that is for is for you to put bait in it. What do you bait for crabs? Usually something like chicken necks, gizzards, or whatever. And you just drop that into this trap. Lower the trap down into the water where you're pretty sure the crabs are and wait. Of course, crabs are always hungry. They smell that. I don't know how they do, but they smell that meat in the water from wherever they are. They find their way to the crab trap. They find their way to get up and crawl inside through the hole, go down inside, and they have themselves a meal. But they're very seldom doing that solo. Other crabs are doing the same thing. Before very long, there are four or five crabs in that crab trap. So, what you do, what I've seen myself personally, is you take that trap out of the water and if you set it on the ground and just sit there for five or ten minutes, you'll find one crab that figures, hey, I can get out of this. Climbs up the side of the trap, across the top, but he never gets out. As he's getting to the hole and is about to pull himself to freedom, there's always one or two or three crabs down below that reach up and pull him back down. Instead of those crabs watching what that crab did and found a way to go to safety and imitating him and saving their lives. Instead of doing that, they reach up and pull them back down. That is what we watched during the four years of the Trump administration. Instead of watching and applauding his successes in so many ways, everybody on the left, they just became crabs. They just sit down and denigrate talk and say evil things, bad things, untruthful things about Donald Trump and those around him all the time, his policies were being implemented and the Americans, more of them were employed. They were getting raises. They were making more money. Inflation was virtually zero cost on everything went way, way down. Corporations were making big dollars, making and paying record federal taxes. Never before in the history of the nation, that first year Donald Trump was president, did the federal government take in more tax income than they did that year. And that was in the aftermath of the Trump tax cuts that the pundits on the left, the crabs, all they did was scream and holler and say it was going to break the federal government those tax decreases that were happening in the tax bill of the Donald Trump administration. They don't understand. They don't want to understand that when you free the American people in the capitalist system, when you let them do what they do, be entrepreneurs, take risk, and let them get rewarded for the risks they take, and when they're making these things happen, They make more money. What happens when they make more money? They pay more taxes. The federal government gets more money. Instead of looking at that and applauding that, they demonize it. They demonize that entire process. And then they start attacking capitalism. Obviously, they don't want a capitalist society. Now, remember who's screaming and doing all this. These are people that are very enlightened, very well connected politically, And almost all of them are multimillionaires because they've used the power that they have and they can access to get a bunch of money. The evil in Washington, D.C. is not about money. It's about power. And the way power is seized, the way power is taken from the American people, the citizens, the everyday workers middle-class Americans. It's taken from them through all of these egregious government policies. Oh, also by 87,000 new IRS agents that all are going to be armed. That's a fact. What are they going to be doing? They're going to go find ways to take more tax money from the American people, everyday American people. Instead of applauding that process that elevated the middle class in America under those Trump policies during his four years, instead of applauding that, they felt like it would be better if they, they pulled him down to their level. They diminished him. They brought him back down where he would look just like they look, when all the while they could have very comfortably and very easily adopted some of those practices and made the same kind of good things happen in their lives. But instead they don't want to earn, they don't want to work. They want it given to them and they're not willing to work. What's the bottom line of that? They stay in the bottom of the trap. Eventually every once in a while, there's one crab that finds their way out and they find their way to freedom. The crabs that are in the bottom of the trap, all they want, their entire existence, is to stop any crab from getting out of that trap and going to a good life on the outside that they make for themselves. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Oh, oh.
3: We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store
0: close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy
3: and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner buy two get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies, see store for details. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Goppers from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a Sourdough Jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil? Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent.
0: I'll let that song play out. The name of the song is Backstabbers. <laughs> That's kind of appropriate to what we're talking about today. I want to get back to it. We're not going to spend um, but another 10 minutes or so on the debacle at Mar-a-Lago. A couple of other things and then we're going to move on. There are some other important items in the news you need to know about. So prior to that raid on Monday, a whole string of whistleblower reports alleged that senior officials at the FBI had been showing for years a pattern of bias in the way they handled politically sensitive investigation and also reclassified cases with no justification. And why would they do that? To substantiate the White House's public narratives on crime and extremism. It started in late May. Iowa Republican Senator Chuck Grassley He called attention to then-Washington field office assistant special agent in charge, Timothy Thebo, over political bias concerns. Thebo expressed support for several highly partisan opinion articles on LinkedIn and made a series of politically charged social media posts. They're not supposed to do that. Senator Grassley referred Tebow to the Office of Special Counsel to address the federal agent's potential violations of the Hatch Act, which bars government officials from partisan political activity. Now, this may seem like a benign thing, but it's not. People in the Justice Department are supposed to be doing one thing, ensuring justice according to the U.S. Constitution and U.S. federal laws is carried out. So concerns about this and Thebo escalated in July as some whistleblowers came forward claiming that Thibault's partisan persuasion directly impacted his work at the Bureau. While seeking approval from FBI Director for Christopher Wray and Attorney General Merrick Garland to open an investigation into Trump's 2020 presidential campaign, Thibault withheld from them that his evidence... Predicating evidence was based in substantial part on information he got from a left wing aligned organization. You see any possible conflict there? In a separate instance, whistleblowers claim Thebo worked to falsify and discredit evidence against President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. And what and why did he do it? To prevent the Bureau from investigating Hunter. Grassley said, whistleblowers told my office that the FBI maintains many sources that have provided extensive information on Hunter Biden. Now Grassley said this back in August. That information allegedly uh, August of last year. That information allegedly involves potential criminal activity like money laundering, and according to allegations, the underlying information was verified and verifiable. That means that's the good stuff, the meat that the FBI can take and run with it because it's factual. Instead of green-lighting investigative activity, the FBI shut it down. Grassley pointed to another guy, Robert Pilger of the Election Crimes Branch, who he alleges was a vital aid to Thebo in his efforts to open the investigation into Trump. Former Principal Associate Deputy Attorney General Richard Donahue, the Iowa Republican noted, testified that Pilger's conduct frustrated the department's ability to properly operate the Election Crimes Branch. Thebo was reassigned to an unspecified posting prior to the Bureau securing a warrant to raid Trump's estate. Sources briefed on the raid confirmed that the agents came from the Washington field office in which Thebo was serving until just days prior. Late last month, whistleblower reports emerged that Bureau supervisors were pressuring some agents, to reclassified cases under the label of domestic violent extremism with no substantive justification, and they were doing that to support the narratives coming out of the Biden White House. House Judiciary Committee Ranking Member Jim Jordan and our friend and frequent guest here, Mike Johnson, He's our congressman from the 4th Congressional District here in Louisiana. Two days ago, they together outlined the issue in a letter to former assistant director of the FBI Counterterrorism Division. That is Jill Sanborn, seeking her testimony before a congressional committee. Citing remarks from the Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, the pair noted the Biden administration has ranked domestic violent extremism extremism as the number one threat to the United States. Whistleblower claims allege the FBI's top brass have worked to pad the number of these cases, these domestic violent extremist cases, to support that claim. In other words, they pick something they want to be the big deal and then they go back and they create, quote-unquote, evidence to justify them saying it. This is the number one law enforcement agency on the earth that's doing this to the American people. Whistleblower disclosures made by multiple FBI employees from different field offices suggest that FBI agents are bolstering the number of these domestic violent extremism cases to satisfy their supervisors. For example, one whistleblower said that because agents are not finding enough of these cases, they're encouraged and they're incentivized to reclassify cases as domestic violence extremist cases, even though there is minimal circumstantial evidence to support the reclassification. One of the senior FBI officials applying improper pressure to manipulate data to support ideological predetermined conclusions, the lawmakers notified Sanborn, was Sanborn herself. Another whistleblower stated that a field office counterterrorism assistant special agent and the FBI's then assistant director of that division pressured agents to move cases into the DVE category to hit self-created performance metrics. Sanborn, by the way, is no longer with the FBI and is now an employee of Roku, the television company. The threat posed by domestic violent extremists is persistent, evolving, and deadly. The FBI's authority to investigate a case's case's domestic terrorism requires the existence of a potential criminal federal violation the unlawful use or threat of force or violence and ideological motivation. The motivation behind threats or acts of force or violence in violation of federal criminal law is not always readily apparent, but is often discovered during the course of an investigation. If the FBI obtains evidence that someone was motivated by violent extremist ideology of any type, a case classification may be changed. In other cases, An investigation may indicate that an ideological motivation was not involved in a criminal act. In either case, the FBI will follow the facts as they develop and classify our investigations accordingly and appropriately. The FBI's goal is to detect and stop Terrorist attacks. At the same time, we're committed to upholding the constitutional rights of all Americans and will never open an investigation based solely on First Amendment protected activity. Oh my gosh, didn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? That, along with what Merrick Garland said yesterday?
1: Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department. And of our democracy.
0: So we have Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. And we have Christopher Ray's FBI. Let me tell you how they're operating today. Almost identical to the Soviet Union's KGB. When Vladimir Putin was in that intelligence community. The most egregious in world history. Our FBI, our Department of Justice, if they're not already there, folks, they are really, really close. Really, really close. So let's talk just for a second about what they may be looking for. It was leaked yesterday. Some kind of nuclear documentation was in the records that were kept at mar lago and that's what they were after. Maybe we'll see what that's all about when the documents are released to the public today. The one document, there's one document that if you want to find out exactly what was given to the judge that was used specifically to issue that warrant is not the warrant itself. The warrant itself does not claim uh, contain that information. It's the affidavit that somebody or some people signed that was presented to the judge that included evidence sufficient to authorize such a raid. That typically is not released to the general public unless charges are filed. In this case, Donald Trump has called for its release. He wants it out there. And I got to be honest with you, Trump wouldn't want it out there if there was something that he needed to be hidden from the American people. And, of course, the left, they always think anything and everything he does is to try somehow how to skirt the law, protect himself. That's the way he's always operated. He's a tycoon in Manhattan up on the east side in Queens, and there are no law-abiding tycoons in that part of our country. So he's got to be an evil, wicked guy. That's their fundamental premise, and they act it out. So we talked about this agency that is seeking the return of that documentation, whatever it is, that President Trump is not supposed to have. That act was passed in 1978 and it was passed because of all of the Watergate stuff that happened, the cheating, the intrusion, the wiretapping, all that kind of stuff, to make sure that documents, other pieces of very important material during an administration, remain with that agency as a lifetime record of all of the stuff that happened in any administration going forward. So there's always been, after anybody moves out of the White House, they get together with representatives of this agency and they work out what documents especially are supposed to be turned over. That happened back in June. They got together with the president and his lawyers, and they came up with 15 boxes of documents that this agency thought they wanted. And the Biden administration, his people turned it all over. And everybody in the Trump administration, when this all started on Monday, they said, we'd never heard from them again. And you can't keep those documents. It's a crime. I'll get to what kind of crime it is in a minute. So let's just mention a few relating incidents here. While corporate media and Democrats are focused on boxes of White House documents that Trump reportedly kept with him at Mar-a-Lago, President Biden's Senate papers, his Senate papers, he hadn't been in the Senate in 10 years his papers still remain hidden from you and me. His Senate papers reportedly fill 1,875 boxes and include 415 gigabytes of electronic records that spans Biden's entire time in the Senate. That was 1973 to 2009. The documents include committee reports, drafts of legislation, and Biden's personal correspondence with his Senate colleagues. Biden also said documents include a lot of confidential conversations, and he said that during a 2020 interview on MSNBC's Morning Joe. It is rumored the documents include a written complaint filed by Tara Reid, who worked for Biden in his office. She accused Joe Biden of sexual misconduct during an interaction that allegedly took place in 1993. Biden gave his Senate papers to his alma mater, the University of Delaware, back in 2011, on the condition they would be made public after his tenure at vice president. However, the University of Delaware changed the paper's release date one day before Biden announced his 2020 presidential campaign. Instead of a December 31st, 2019 release, the papers will not be released until two years after Biden retires from public life. However, the university provided no definition for what it considers to be public life, leaving the final release date unknown. The president claimed the papers could not be released during his presidential campaign, despite calling on former President Trump to release his sensitive. Financial information. Law for me, but not for thee. Every president that leaves office, they turn over all this stuff, right? Joe Biden didn't. He wasn't president, but he was vice president. He didn't. Guess who else didn't? Barack Obama. Listen to this one. If you haven't heard this, this will fry you. Barack Obama, when they met with this group to turn over documentation, Barack Obama informed them I'm not turning anything over. Why, Mr. President? What we're going to do, we're going to digitize every one of them and release them directly to the American people. Wow, what a grandiose process. What a great thing to do for clarity for the American people to see inside exactly what and why all the things that happened in the eight years of Barack Obama and Joe Biden in uh, the president and vice president positions, all those things that happened, we could get inside their minds and see what they were thinking. 33 million pages of documents were trucked from the White House to Chicago, all of those Barack Obama classified documents in many cases, 33 million. They're going to digitize them all and turn them over to the American public. Not anything, not one word has been digitized. Not one document has been turned over to the American people. Barack Obama broke that law. Just pointing things out that just don't sit well. I'm sure you heard about after this this thing happened Monday night that a crazy guy decided to get in a gunfight and it has to do with his uh, anger, angst, whatever you want to call it, for this raid on President Trump's house. This all happened at a FBI field office in Cincinnati yesterday. This guy, he just went nuts and he was calling on everybody to attack people in the Department of Justice and FBI. The man was ultimately killed in a gunfight. That's a sad case. Nobody else, thankfully, nobody else was hurt. But it didn't take long for Democrats to weaponize this entire thing, and one of their, one of their projects, they're trying to get him stuck out in in the forefront of the American people to try to legitimize a California <laughs> representative named Eric Swalwell. He's kind of disappeared. They've actually been keeping him in the closet, I think. Yesterday on MSNBC's The Readout, Sw- Swalwell said that the attack on the FBI field office in Cincinnati yesterday. It's got a direct line from Republican lawmakers' rhetoric against the FBI raid of former President Donald Trump's mar lago estate. Swallow said, it's sickening where we have arrived. We used to say somebody's going to get killed. Well, people died on January 6th. Today, what is just most intolerable is in the last 48 hours since the FBI searched Trump's home, you can draw directly from what Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lindsey Graham have all said. The threats against law enforcement, the lies that they told about law enforcement, and what this individual posted online before he took up arms against the FBI. It's a little personal for me because I have two brothers who are law enforcement officers and swallow that bastion of truth and justice and honesty. He's none of those. I just threw that in for free. He added, there's a correlation when Americans' leaders stoke these conspiracy theories that these folks receive as a gospel and think they, it is their duty to take up arms. People have been killed. More people are going to get killed until the lies stop, starting with the big lie. Donald Trump is pushed after the election, and now the new life about the FBI search. What Swalwell said here, it epitomizes where, sadly, our leaders, our leftist leaders find themselves today. They think, they still think, in spite of all the evidence that just blows it all away, again and again and again. They think the American people are too stupid to read through their rhetoric and find the facts. They think we can't do it. They think we don't do it. And when we do it and we put it out there, they just kind of blow it off. Oh, okay, well, and just move on to the next big thing, big lie, as Swalwell said. The federal judge who authorized the raid on Mar-a-Lago was appointed by then-President Donald Trump. That, along with that Newsweek article that we began the show with today that was debunked from top to bottom, this was all over the news Wednesday and Thursday. It was one of a Trump judge appointments who authorized the raid. That's false. Magistrate judges are not appointed by any president. They're appointed by other federal judges. So Thursday, that claim went viral online as of 10 a.m. It was the highest velocity post in the U.S., meaning it was being shared rapidly according to leading social media and analytical company, Newswhip. The lie, the federal judge who authorized the raid on Mar-a-Lago was appointed by then-President Donald Trump. And the post was an image of a tweet by left-wing activist and podcast hope Andrew Wartman who has been claiming on Twitter that the U.S. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhart was appointed by Trump, and that point made the rounds. Wartman claimed, do you know how effing guilty you have to be for a federal judge that you appointed to sign off on a search warrant issued by an FBI director that you also appointed and executed by a a Department of Justice attorney that you also appointed? Now, there's a bunch of errors in the statement. The FBI does not issue search warrants. Neither of the U.S. attorneys for the D.C. or the Southern District of Florida, the only two jurisdictions related to the search, none of them were appointed by Trump. In addition, recent history has shown that the mere fact that a judge signs a warrant, like a fraudulently obtained FISA court warrant to spy on Trump aide Carter Page back in 2016 and 17 over the so-called Russia collusion, none of that is not proof of guilt. Wartman includes the fact that he supports Black Lives Matter in his Twitter profile. Black Lives Matter holds that many law enforcement actions are based on false premises and the judges, police, and prisons are motivated by prejudice instead. Reinhart wasn't appointed by Trump. Magistrate judges, who were functionaries of the federal district courts, or appointed by other federal judges. And there's an explanation of the job of magistrate judges. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. It's just another case where somebody thinks up, comes up with an idea that they think, Hey, we can throw this out there and we can denigrate Donald Trump a little bit more. We can put another question mark over his head. We've got to do everything we can do to keep him from even thinking about running for president in 2024 and if that was their purpose, and most think that it was, to get Trump caught up in this thing and somehow it turn into a criminal offense that would disqualify him from serving in any future federal position, any. Anybody that's convicted of a criminal act, they can't serve in the federal government ever again. But as I said, When we started this at the top of the show, the law that created that agency that takes care of all presidential records as they leave, violation of the tenants of that, not a single one of them is a criminal offense and therefore has no criminal outcome accountability provision. It's only a civil case if somebody violates it. And based on the U.S. Constitution, even though that in their tenets, that agency says anybody that violates this can never serve in a federal office again. It's unconstitutional. The United States Constitution contains all of the requirements for anybody to serve in every office, vice president, president, The qualifications, requirements, the responsibilities are there and no president can be removed or not allowed to move forward in a future election or even serving out their term if they're found to violate this. They get slapped with a big fine, maybe a judgment. But Donald Trump could not be kept from serving for office based on even if he would be convicted of violating any one of the tenants of that agency. I wonder if they think nobody knows that. And then there's Liz Cheney, turncoat Republican from Wyoming. Many people don't understand. There's only one congressional seat, House of Representatives seat in Wyoming. She she right now occupies that seat. She's about to be not occupying that seat. She's in an election and she's not even close. Her opponent in the Republican primary up there is 29 points ahead of Liz Cheney. That's amazing. 29 points ahead. But let me tell you what's going on. She knows she's going to lose, but let me tell you how politics works. I'm going to illustrate how politics works. She's, She's running. I don't think she's spending much money, campaign dollars. We'll talk about that in a second. But she is running, but she knows she's going to lose. That would break my heart. But there's something people don't understand about Liz Cheney. It's the magic that happens, especially to Democrats, when they take office and they stay in Congress for a while. Liz's net worth ballooned from an estimated $7 million when she first took office in 2017 to more than $44 million in 2020. Depending on where she falls in the ranges in her latest financial disclosure forms, that could be as much as a 600% increase in her net worth in just a few short years a massive boom for an already independently wealthy political powerhouse from the powerful Cheney family, which counts among its powerful and most powerful, her father, former Vice President Dick Cheney. During her first term in office, that was from 2017 through 2018, her net worth grew from the 71st in the House to the 24th. Her net worth went from, in two years, from $7 million to $14 million. 24th wealthiest member in the U.S. House of Representatives. That was reported in 2020. Since then, her net worth has continued to grow. And significantly. According to her 2020 personal financial disclosure form, Cheney declared her net worth was estimated between 10 and 44 million stemming from assets valued between 10 and 44 million. She reported no earned income, gifts, or transactions. Yet, Cheney declared she held three posts, which include a trustee position at the University of Wyoming, a member of a holding company, and what appears to be her family's trust. These financial disclosure documents they're reported in ranges. No you never get you know, a real accurate, here's the amount. So it's unclear at this time exactly how close she falls to the top of the broader range. But even if her net worth is lower in, she still significantly increased her net worth while she was in office. Where does it come from? Well, it boosted, her net worth boosted, amid political controversy about how some congressional members have enriched themselves while American workers don't have the same access and don't have the connections. The median American household net worth is $121,000 right now. Back in 2018, Cheney's top-listed assets were Citibank stock, $3 million, Latham and Watkins, $3 million, Latham & Watkins is Liz Cheney's husband's law firm, by the way, where Philip Perry, Cheney's husband, has been a partner since she was elected to Congress in 2017. According to Cheney's 2020 personal disclosure, Perry has an equity ownership in the firm worth between a million and five million bucks. His firm has advised, listen to this, a Chinese Communist Party technology company named TME and also Exelon Corporation. The State Department in 2019 dubbed TME a tool of the Chinese government. According to the Wall Street Journal, back in 2011, Exelon agreed to provide consulting and training services to an arm of the state-owned China National Nuclear Corporation. The president of that company and vice president are appointed by the highest administrative position in the government of China. So his law firm has serviced Chinese clients, Cheney is set on the Armed Services Committee with many powerful subcommittees dedicated to national security. She worked with House Republicans on producing a 2020 report on Communist China entitled The China Task Force Report. In the report, it states the greatest generational challenge we face today is the threat of the Chinese Communist Party. Do you think, maybe just one time, maybe at dinner, maybe they were out in the backyard, they were just doing a little yard work and were talking, do you think her husband, whose law firm, it services a bunch of Chinese companies, which you know in China, there's no private ownership of anything, the communist party owns everything. And he's working with these companies in China that are owned by communist China. Liz Cheney is on the armed services committee. You don't see a problem there. I see a problem there. It, it just goes on and on and on. I got to be honest with you, what they've got to do. And it, it I don't want to say never but it probably won't ever happen. It needs to be such that while serving in Congress, no sitting member of the House or the Senate can be involved in any transaction, financial transaction, purchases or sales of nothing. They can't be in the stock market in any way. And the sad thing about it is is they would be the ones that have to pass this. Let's just suppose for a second they pass it. What would happen? You think this would shut them down? Absolutely not. They make the laws. They make the rules. They'll find a way to do it another way. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. Liz Cheney has made a buttload full of money in Congress while her husband is servicing several major big-time Chinese companies through his law firm, and Liz is sitting on the very powerful Armed Services Committee in the House. There's no problem there, is it? So what else is happening? Well, the second largest aluminum mill in the United States They've idled their operations. They've laid off about 600 American workers because of untenable electricity and energy prices. This company, Century Aluminum, back in June, its executives announced they would idle the Hawesville, Kentucky Aluminum Mill for about 9 to 12 months as a result of skyrocketing prices to merely just keep the plant's lights on. Similarly, executives with two steel mills are suspending operations because they can't afford the cost of energy to keep the plant going. This comes after executives warned federal regulators about debilitating energy prices a month ago. Bloomberg reported on this. On June twenty-second. 600 workers at the second-largest aluminum mill in America, accounting for 20% of U.S. supply, learned they were losing their jobs because the plant can't afford an electricity tab that's tripled in a matter of just a few months. Century Aluminum Company says it'll idle that Kentucky mill for as long as a year, taking out the biggest of its three U.S. sites. A shutdown like this can take a month, as workers carefully swirl the molten metal into storage so it doesn't solidify in pipes and vessels and turn the entire facility into a useless brick. Restarting takes another six to nine months. For this reason, owners don't halt operations unless they've exhausted all other options. And then those two steel mills. What's happening here? What's going on here? It's a constant assault on conservatism, on conservatives, on the capitalist system, and a overarching desire to move our country away from capitalism to socialism where maybe the federal government doesn't own everything but they control everything. And the powerful people at the top that have learned through the years how you become powerful, how you use your power when you're elected to enrich yourself, your family members, your friends, and create a nest egg So that if and when you ever decide to leave, you don't ever have to work again. And that describes a majority of members of the U.S. House of Representatives in the U.S. Senate. Sadly, right now, the only thing that can be done would be some type of legislation that would pass, that would make it illegal for them to do these things. But they're the ones that would have to pass it. And if they ever did pass anything that looked a little bit like what I just said, there's going to be small writing somewhere within it that pretty much negates anything of what we want it to represent and do. And they'll just find another little way to move a little bit. Kind of like an ant pile in your yard. You put the poison or whatever on it, and you watch what happens. They run around. They're doing all this stuff. You go to bed the next day. They went about six feet away and built another mound. Maybe it's a little too simplistic to use that simile to talk about the United States Congress, but folks, they don't even care anymore. They're not trying to hide it. It's in our faces. And that's what they're all about, making sure the facts don't come out if the facts make them look bad. And right now, folks, all, all the facts that are around and out there, they don't make them look good. That's for sure. Hi, Tom Baudet. quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays, at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then, when you get to Motel 6, you can check in, after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Baudet from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you.
5: What can milk do? Well, it can turn you into a morning person. It can help fuel some pretty tough stuff. And it can definitely make cartoons funnier.
3: No, it can't. Oh,
5: well, it can have a little edge. But come on, even kitties love it. It'll keep up with you
6: at any age.
5: It makes engines whirr and creme brulee cremy. It's one of the easiest labels you'll ever read. And anything that makes this happen is pretty special. In fact, what can't milk do?
3: It seems like every summer starts with a song. Maybe it's one we heard on the radio during our morning drive. Or maybe it was playing in the cafe we ducked into for lunch. Wherever they catch us, certain songs seem to take us away. Songs of waves and sand, of forests and hillsides, of growing up and growing old. Songs that get in our heads and make us smile as we hum them to ourselves. Songs of the sun coming up and the ragtop going down of friends we just met and the ones we'll have for life songs that define the moments like the ones we find in Michigan where we take our someday list and start to check things off a day spent gliding on a sailboat floating on a pontoon and climbing over that next hill a rhythm that takes us somewhere better somewhere like pure Michigan your trip begins at michigan.org In a world of change,
0: one thing remains constant,
3: the bedrock of truth.
0: Welcome to
3: the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org.
0: Here we are on Friday, going into a weekend, and this is one of maybe, for some people, the last weekend in which the kids are out of school, getting set, getting all the stuff put together for back to school, starting on Monday. Here's the good thing about this time of year for me. Football, real football, American football is about to start up again at every level. Junior high, high school, college, the NFL, it's all about to get rolling. I love me some football. In my life, I've owned a couple of professional football teams. The first one was in AF2. It was the Bozier Shreveport Battle Wings in Bozier City, Louisiana. The second was in New Orleans. It was a New Orleans Voodoo in the Arena Football League. It came with a lot of fun. I love that game. It's twice as fast as the outdoor game. And it's in a confined space, so you can really see and hear and watch the action going on. The league folded. And so... Um, The nation lost arena football of sorts. There are little straggly uh, leagues, regional kind of leagues that have popped up through the years, but none of them have lasted. It's a great game, but the outdoor game, you know, that's the one that dominates and it should because they can get more people in stadiums, which means revenue goes up, which means they can pay players more. Sponsors come out. It's a daisy chain of things that happens. Nowadays, folks, high school and college football players are getting paid big money and they don't lose their amateur status. How is that? It's this new policy the NCAA passed that allowed these athletes to monetize however and whatever they want to in any way and they don't lose their amateur status. I, you know, I've got real mixed feelings about it. I, I'll give you an example. The starting quarterback last year for Alabama, I can't think of his name. He started, he's a good quarterback. The previous year, he was at Alabama, but he didn't take one snap in a game, not one play in a game. But in the offseason between that one, two years ago, and last season, during the offseason He accumulated almost $2 million worth of sponsorship contracts. Now, that's kind of going like, you know, from famine to feast to me. I think that may be a little unreasonable. It's like coaches now can, they've been doing it in very surreptitious ways through the years, but they can promise somebody big buckets of money if they'll go play for them. That's all factual stuff, folks. That's factual. Talking about the nepotism that we were talking about, I got Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. There's another couple that nobody talks about. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She's talked about a lot. She's in the news a lot. She's actually probably the second most powerful person in government in the United States. She made that very controversial trip last week to Asia, especially that stop in Taiwan. We remember the former vice president, now president on Air Force Two, hauling his son, Hunter Biden, all over Asia, Southeast Asia, and even Ukraine. And that's no big deal, right? Except Hunter Biden... He was making money off the fact that his father was vice president and he was virtually selling access to the then sitting vice president of the United States. And more and more of that has been proved and documented. Joe Biden meeting with Hunter's business partners on numerous occasions. Obviously a violation of a lot of rules. That's under investigation by the FBI. But there's a second one now that the light is shining on. Who might that be? Nancy Pelosi's son, who is in business, and he went with his mom on a taxpayer government jet, by the way, to Asia and to Taiwan. Taiwan. Her son has some very big ties, financial ties, in Taiwan. Sean Duffy this morning revealed some of the facts about that. This may light you up, get ready.
2: Uh, joining me now is New York Post columnist Miranda Devine. Miranda, good to see you. Um, listen, I, I thought that Paul Pelosi, her husband would have made the trip with her to advance his credibility in foreign business dealings. But it wasn't her, her husband, it was her son who went on this trip. What do you think about uh, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, bringing her son on a foreign trip like this?
6: Hi, Sean. Well, look, it's deja vu, isn't it? This is what Joe Biden did with Hunter Biden. Uh, It seems to be just common practice in Washington to bring your adult children along so that they can pursue their business goals, because we know that Paul Pelosi Jr. uh, is um, involved with businesses that are in some way connected to Taiwan and the semiconductor industry. And uh, we also know that Nancy Pelosi went to quite a lot of trouble to uh, remove any sort of um, Link with uh, her son and make sure that the American public was in the dark about his going along on the trip. The only reason we found out about it was because foreign, um, uh, you know, sources, uh, foreign journalists actually published uh, photos with him in it. And also because I think there was a Taiwanese official who thanked him in his official speech. Now, hilariously, Nancy Pelosi's office deleted that section from the speech from their website. So they're trying to hide it. And if it's all above board, and she just brought her son along as um, her escort to replace her husband, who's got a few problems of his own with that DUI charge, uh, then why did she go to this effort to keep his uh, presence under wraps?
2: Yeah, well, of course. I mean, you would have put him on the manifest, you would have celebrated that your son is coming with you on this trip, and you don't have to do business when you're over there with your mom, the Speaker of the House, just being seen with that power. Mm-hmm. It does great benefit to you as you try to cut new deals over in Taiwan. I mean, that's 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 pretty clear. Here's what concerns me about what's happening, Miranda. So not only are we normalizing the fact that Joe Biden can travel with, uh, with his dad. I'm sorry, Hunter Biden can travel with his dad, Joe, when he was the vice president. Now the son of Nancy Pelosi can travel with him. We're degrading the standards that we have in how families can use the power and influence of their family members who are in elected office. That's number one. But also you see Nancy Pelosi kicking Republican members off committees. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she kicked Marjorie Taylor Greene off a a committee because she doesn't like her politics. She will let Republicans serve on the January 6th committee as selected by uh, leader Kevin McCarthy. They're degrading all these norms that have kept our institutions Mm. functioning and well. And uh, I don't understand why they do that, because when Republicans take over, I think they're going to do the exact same thing to Democrats. It doesn't make any sense to me. What do you say, Miranda? Miranda?
6: No, it doesn't. The only uh, thing that Democrats are probably banking on is that the Republicans are less inclined to bust norms, more inclined to uh, try and restore norms, in which case they think that they won't get the the equal and equivalent payback. Uh, I'm not getting that feeling from Kevin McCarthy and his crew. Uh, There will be new Republican members who are pretty much red-pilled. I think the sort of gentlemanly uh, behaviour of of Mitch McConnell and so on in the past, or Paul Ryan, um, that, uh, I think, has been superseded because of, really, the quite appalling speakership of Nancy Pelosi, this zero-sum game uh, that she plays. And, for instance, it's not just her either. I mean, Adam Schiff is a particularly bad chairman um, of the Intel Committee, and I, I think you certainly will find... Uh, next year, assuming that uh, the Republicans do take back control of the House, that Adam Schiff will be stripped of his committee rights, Uh, and that is as it should be because he has leaked, he has lied, he has abused his power on that incredibly important to our National Security Committee.
2: You know what? It's, um, it, I think Republicans are going to do it. They don't break the norms, but they'll follow suit when Democrats do break the norms. I think you're going to see Republicans when they get back in power. There's going to be an investigation and a raid of Joe Biden's home and Hunter Biden's home. I think that's bad for, uh, for democracy, but I think that's the yeah. new future that we're going to live it's in, terrible. Miranda. You have a great piece uh, in the New York Post. Uh, check it out, everybody. Miranda Devine, thanks for joining me.
0: Great news and information there. Our final notification to you for the week. Five House Democrats that are running for re-election in districts that were won by Donald Trump in the 2020 election. They face a giant hurdle this week today. The House is debating that massive inflation-busting bill. These five, they know if they vote for the bill in their districts, they very well may lose their seats in this election just around the corner. We're watching that for you. Keep you posted. You guys have a great weekend. Don't forget our bullet points, Saturday bullet points, tomorrow morning bright and early, and we'll be back with you live on Monday morning here, Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Until then, until Monday, we'll leave you with a nice little song with Christina.